for uh, uh, for launching our event. He works as a, a leader of uh, a security laboratory at the French Security Agency, and is also a Debian developer and a member of the Debian security team. Please welcome Yves Alexi Perez. Thank you. Okay, do you hear me? Okay. So, hi everybody. Um, first, uh, some introductions. Uh, so, I'm Ivelexi Perez. Uh, I'm working uh, both, uh, well, at the agency during the day, uh, the ANSSI as a lab, lab leader. Uh, but I will mostly talk about uh, my other job. So, as a Debian security team member, uh, I know some people in the room were already there uh, like two weeks ago in Rennes for the STIC conference uh, where I already gave some talk which is uh, really more or less the same as them talk. Uh, I have a bit more time today so I will be able to enter into some more details and I hope we will have some time to have some questions uh, at the end. Um, so the agenda, uh, I will present uh, the security team, uh, the roles, the duties of the, of the team. Uh, I will also talk about uh, workflows, so what we do, what we don't, and uh, talk a bit about what is a Debian security, advi Debian security advisory. Then uh, talk about uh, what, what are vulnerabilities, uh, what kind of vulnerabilities we handle. Uh, and then we'll talk about some, I will take some examples to explain how we deal with vulnerabilities in Debian. So, uh, security team in Debian, it's about 10 people. Uh, there is a list uh, at the end, but we are mostly five people really active. Uh, it's not much for distributions at large, and we are all volunteers. Uh, uh, there are five members active in the team, but there are a lot of other people uh, which are not official members of the team, but they are contributors, uh, like for example, uh, Debian developers, Debian maintainers, who care about uh, the state of their package in stable, and so they give uh, a help. Uh, we have uh, some, for example, security researchers or just Debian users, which want to contribute back uh, something, and they help us, uh, for example, maintaining the tracker. We'll talk about it uh, a bit later. So what uh, what we do in the Debian security team, it's um, we do a lot of, st of stuff, but mostly we handle uh, security for stable release. So right now it's stretch. Uh, we just uh, phased out uh, Jesse. Uh, we mostly do what, uh, well, security support, so security updates and security advisories for the stable release. Uh, so we watch day to day uh, for the security state, and when we need to handle to push some updates to fix some vulnerabilities in, uh, in, in a supported Debian release. Uh, we handle the process the leading to uh, an update in stable because um, I'm not sure if, if everyone is uh, familiar with how Debian works in general, but um, every Debian developer can upload some package in unstable, but stable uploads are a bit more restricted and especially uploads to the security archive, so we are handling that. 
we also send uh, obviously the the mail uh, for uh, advice uh, warning people about uh, a new uh, new update uh, there is a lot of coordination with other teams and developers, uh, for example, stable release team, obviously, and uh, every package maintainer, uh, because when we do an update uh, to a package in stable, we usually try to do it uh, with some coordination with uh, that package maintainer. Uh, we are also interested in distribution hardening, which is basically um, uh, computer um, compiler hardening flags, uh, kernel hardening, and stuff like that. Because uh, if you if you had some hardening before the the release, then you have some less work later on. So it's always uh, always useful. And there are stuff we don't do as a security team, uh, which is basically everything else which has security in the name. So we don't handle uh, everything which has security in the name. Uh, especially we don't uh, handle the security of the Debian infrastructure, so the various servers, mailing list servers, uh, the Debian arch archive, etc. This is done by a specific team, uh, the, Debian, uh, as the Debian administrators, which are Debian system administrators. Uh, we don't handle Debian accounts uh, queuing changes, so uh, what, uh, what is in the GPG queuing. And we also don't uh, handle Debian LTS, so the long-term support version of Debian, uh, which, uh, went, for example, for Jesse, we just uh, uh, stopped security support, uh, but Jesse will keep being updated on a reduced set, and this is done by the LTS team, which is a different team. So how do we interact with um, various people? Uh, we have uh, some front-ends. Uh, we are reachable by mail. Uh, it's our main contact point, which is security at debian.org, with a PGP key in case you want to talk about something uh, a bit uh, sensible. sensitive. Uh, there is a Debian security announce mailing list, which is uh, the, the, the out uh, Way so we, see, uh, we send mail. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of people subscribe to that list, and we give uh, give uh, updates about the security status of the of the Debian distribution. Uh, we are also reachable on IRC, and we have the security tracker. So the security tracker is a basically a, way, a website which gives uh, information about current security support of the the distribution and uh, the various open issues in stable and. Other, other suits, but especially stable. There, there is a web interface for uh, browsing, uh, so you can browse using the URL, uh, URL given ab above. Uh, you can search by package, uh, by vulnerability, by suit. And the same data which is presented on the website is also available uh, for machine readable, readable uh, uh, for scripts. And so we have raw, raw data, we have JSON data. Uh, we have oval uh, metadata, metadata about uh, security support. Uh, in the back end, uh, the security tracker is um, uh, generated through a, a public Git uh, repository uh, available on, on Salsa, so the, the URL is also given in reference, uh, where we do CV management, uh, team organization, uh, DSA assignment, so when we try and decide to track uh, something and uh, publish an update, that's done there. Um, and we have a private Git uh, repository for stuff like internal organization and uh, some management of embargoed issues. 
let's talk a bit about uh, what we do daily, so the basic routine. First, we had uh, an, an important, important concept historically, uh, which was the security front desk, uh, which was basically a, a single contact point. Uh, so, someone uh, ma making sure someone was available to reply when we some somebody uh, send send us something, for example, for the the list alias, uh, to be sure we don't miss an important issue because we receive a lot of stuff, a uh, lot of mail, some spams, but also a lot of regular mail, and make sure we reply. So uh, the idea was to distribute the load uh, amongst the team. Uh, we stopped doing that because we were okay in, in, in maintaining that, but at one point we had like one week each, and we, we, do, we did it in Rune Robin. And the, the front desk role basically was to watch over the mail alias, um, process the incoming requests, so sometimes just uh, some people running about uh, non-vulnerabilities, sometimes uh, some, uh, some new inquiry inquiries about uh, uh, hidden vulnerabilities. There are also some other mailing lists, public or private, and we have um, basically uh, a lot of external uh, data to process. We had uh, we had issues to the private Git repository. Uh, when it's public, we had to the public one, and then we start the process. Well, we yeah, which we, we start the process of uh, uh, deciding if we will want to um, issue uh, a security advisories or it's, if it's a minor issue. Uh, this can be done in parallel by various team member, uh, so we can add multiple uh, issues and decided to triage, triage them la later. Uh, we have some help from uh, a script named uh, external checked, which is uh, just a script which runs once a day and gather information on various public sources like uh, other distribution uh, bug trackers, uh, some external CV reference, uh, and it adds them to the list of CVE and uh, with an, uh, a tag, so we can check it. We can check it later with, from a human being. Uh, the idea was to automate mot uh, most of the stuff, and then some processing done by a human to add uh, metadata to it. Then, when we decide we want to uh, release a DSA, so Debian Security Advisory, um, basically, uh, usually a vulnerability is identified. Whichever the way, you may, it might be public or private, but let's do it with uh, some public stuff. Uh, a CV is assigned. It's not mandatory. It's helpful. Uh, it helps uh, tracking the vulnerability by a, a, a common reference across distributions. We identify a fix. We apply it locally uh, to um, a, a local build of the package. So uh, either the maintainer or a member of the security team will pick the patch, add it to the to the to a local uh, checkout of the of the package, builds, check uh, everything is fine, uh, runs the test suite see if there is one, and yeah, basically test the basic features of the of the package. Then it's uploaded to a uh, host named Security Master, which is, as its name uh, imply, uh, the central point of the security architecture. Uh, and it's, it is then built on uh, all the infrastructure, the architecture architectures uh, supported by uh, the current stable version. 
And once everything is built, uh, we release the package, so it's uh, sent to the security mirrors, and we, have, uh, we send the, the DSA mail. Uh, every action in that list can be done uh, by various people. Uh, sometimes we coordinate uh, between each other. And some of, that, of those um, steps can uh, also be done by uh, uh, non-member of the security teams, uh, only specific points like uh, uh, uploading to security master uh, is restricted to uh, security team members. So uh, let's talk a bit about what, what is a vulnerability. I'm sure a lot of you uh, already know, but we can, uh, we can see three my major types of vulnerabilities. Uh, first, uh, the, the vast majority of them is, are public vulnerabilities, uh, meaning uh, they are known, they are sometimes low severity, they are reported in, the, for example, upstream Bugzilla or, or bug tracking system. Uh, sometimes someone uh, reports them uh, through uh, the OSSSEC mailing list. And basically, uh, either the fix is already known or it's currently in development and we can participate to the fix uh, development. Uh, and then we integrate the fix in Debian as soon as possible. Uh, but usually, usually there are low severity stuff and there, are no, there is no rush. So we try first to fix in unstable, let it be tested a bit, and, and then later uh, upload to stable. Uh, we are also uh, the private vulnerabilities, uh, which are uh, so-called uh, under embargo. Uh, so basically, uh, they are only sh shared uh, between a small cycle of, uh, of people. And we can have uh, sim simple private vulnerabilities, which are just a, a, a bug uh, which has security uh, issue, security uh, consequences, uh, but in like in single code base and not too hard to fix. And we have more complex stuff like um, multiple code bases, uh, so it's shared uh, with multiple upstream, uh, sometimes multiple vendors, uh, sometimes it's a vulnerability in a protocol or in hardware, and that means uh, we we can have long embargoes and and a lot of people involved, which uh, had some some difficulties. So when a vulnerability is not known publicly and or it's under embargo, uh, the, ma the main idea is to give some time uh, to the developers and vendors to prepare fixes uh, without anyone else knowing it. Uh, so. They can, the, the people can work on a, work on a fix, uh, take some time, and when everything everything is ready and every vendor is uh, prepared to release the update, uh, a, a date is uh, is uh, determined, and globally, uh, every, everyone pushes the update and one people at the same time. Uh, the idea is, uh, is that all users are protected at the same time, not uh, well and the attackers don't know about the, the vulnerability before the, the users. So that's uh, the theory. In practice, uh, it's not always uh, like, like that. Uh, some high-profile examples of uh, embargoed uh, vulnerabilities. There, are, there was uh, Roca last year, uh, which was a vulnerability uh, in smart cards, so Debian wasn't uh, affected. Uh, there is Crack, uh, which was uh, an attack in the WPA protocol. and. Some which are really uh, really known, uh, Meltdown and Spectre, uh, which are combined uh, software and hardware vulnerabilities. 
In practice, uh, what uh, the, the, the feedback we have on embargoes, at least in Debian, is that they have a lot of drawbacks uh, because uh, the, when once we have a fix, uh, the, the publication is usually a bit artificially um, delayed, and uh, few people are aware of the of the of the vulnerability and the fix. So not a lot of people, and maybe not the best ones, work on the on the fix. And sometimes they miss something. Sometimes the fix is broken. Uh, we have uh, the indefinite embargo problem, which is uh, sometimes vendors uh, don't want to release uh, updates. Uh, the product is not supported, or well, there are a lot of reasons. But uh, sometimes uh, security researchers are really frustrated because they report vulnerabilities privately uh, to vendors, and there is never an update. Uh, so that's uh, that's a problem. And as always, when once when you try to keep things a secret, sometimes you have a, a leak, and by itself, you takes uh, it takes some effort to maintain secrecy. Uh, and sometimes there is a leak, and sometimes uh, an attacker will be uh, uh, will know, will know about the fix uh, and the, vulner the vulnerability and the fix before uh, users. So we try to limit usage as much as possible, uh, and especially for simple vulnerabilities and for a short time. Uh, but it's not always in our hand. Uh, some information about uh, the operating system distribution security contact list. So the Linux distro uh, or distro at uh, vs.openworld.org uh, mailing list. So it's a restricted list uh, for uh, large uh, open source distribution. So the Linux and BSDs and Solaris, I guess, uh, which is the successor of uh, Vandersec. Maintained by uh, the open world distribution, uh, so Solar Designer. The idea is to coordinate, uh, to, to have a list for coordination of embargoed vulnerabilities with strict policy. Uh, so there are uh, like uh, 14 days max maximum embargo. So it's only for simple vulnerabilities, but it, uh, it's, it really helps for synchronization. Now let's talk a bit uh, with uh, some vulnerability examples and how we dealt with uh, with them in uh, in Debian. So the first is crack. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, it's a vulnerability in uh, in the WPA protocol actually in the handshake, uh, and it was an actually pretty standard and nicely um, uh, handled uh, embargoed vulnerabilities, uh, where we had some coordination with uh, the whole community. Uh, and yeah, it was um, it, it was a bit of a problem because uh, it's the vulnerability is not software by itself. It's really in the protocol uh, in the in, in the check. So it's implemented by uh, a lot of vendors in uh, various stacks. So there was some a lot of coordination to to be done. In Debian, it's a WPA source package which uh, builds the WPA supplicant package which is used to connect to a restricted access point, and the host app D, which is the access point port. If we look at the timeline, so it was uh, last year in uh, 2017, uh, we were warned uh, by the by CERT uh, in, uh, in August, uh, and a second time uh, in October, just before the, the publication. So uh, publication was done uh, as the, um, uh, in, in a conference, and we were run through the uh, restricted di distribution list uh, with, uh, with some, de some details. Uh, so th this was the initial contact. 
I'm not sure you can you can read everything, but it's in the in the in the slides. Uh, initial contact from CERT contained all the vulnerability details, uh, the the article which was submitted to the conference, and uh, a proof of concept. Uh, this kind of no notification is really really helpful to us uh, because we can easily assess the. Um, uh, what the vulnerability is uh, and how we are affected and how it impacts our users. Uh, then we had uh, uh, some coordination done by the CERT.org uh, association. Uh, it was uh, once again really helpful to have some coordination so we, we were able to um, assess uh, locally what how we were affected and discuss with uh, the upstream, uh, no, not upstream, but the security researcher and uh, investigate uh, how we how we would fix the, the thing in the distribution. Then we were notified by uh, by upstream, uh, so Uni Malinen, which, uh, which is uh, the author of WPA, uh, which contacted us uh, through the distro list and uh, gave us um, uh, the, the patches, uh, well, the details about the protocols, uh, the impact on, uh, the, on, on, on this software, and patches for various uh, branches. So it basically everything was done uh, on the stream side. And, uh, and then we had, we, we had some discussion internally uh, with, uh, with Uni on how to, how to fix things uh, properly. So during, during the embargo, uh, basically we had time, we had a, a lot of time to uh, uh, read the article, assess uh, what, what was the impact on, uh, on Debian distributions, uh, set up a test bed, so it was uh, really, really helpful to have the proof of concept and, uh, and details, uh, and I, I was able to reproduce the, the issue, and then later on uh, to integrate patches, I work with the maintainer, maintainer to check everything was uh, correctly fixed and do some test builds and everything was ready uh, so the packages and the advisory text for the the, the, res the release date on release date uh, well there was some small embargo break because uh, some proprietary vendors um, apparently doesn't don't, uh, don't know how to read the correct time or maybe the time zone was uh, off but it, it was okay, uh, because uh, then Matty Ivanov, which was a security researcher, researcher who discovered the issue, published a crack attack website with all explanations, and then distribution started sending uh, mails and uh, publishing updates. Uh, all in all, it was a really good example of a well-handled uh, vulnerability, even though it was uh, in a protocol, so uh, involving multiple vendors. It was really, really nice to to handle from our, our, our part. And then we have uh, another example, which is quite the opposite this time. Uh, so I guess everyone has uh, heard about Meldon and Spectre. Uh, so there are vulnerabilities uh, which are at the, um, at the interface between hardware and uh, software, and which can be used to leak uh, privileged data uh, to unprivileged, unprivileged uh, processes. Uh, Meldon is more or less a race, a race condition between uh, permission checks and, and data access, and which is not visible at uh, the architecture level, but visible at the micro architecture level. And it's fixed in software, uh, where we don't map at all the kernel in user land. Uh, Spectre is a bit more uh, complicated. Uh, the fix is uh, also more complicated because it involves both uh, some parts in the in the kernel, some parts in the 
firmware, so the CPU microcode, and sometimes the hardware. If we look at the timeline, uh, the embargo lasts uh, like half a year, uh, and it completely broke apart uh, in the end because uh, there were some th there were some leaks uh, here and there uh, on beginning of January, uh, and it was uh, a bit uh, uh, difficult to follow. So how we did handle that uh, in Debian? Uh, not really well because we weren't included in the embargo. Uh, and we weren't uh, involved uh, in the more recent uh, hardware vulnerability either. So, for example, uh, LazyFP and TLBleed, we were not in the loop. Uh, so we only had as much information as what was publicly available, but uh, there was a lot of noise and rumors uh, about uh, the Kaiser and KPTI patch set uh, at the end of uh, 2017 and beginning of 2018. And on uh, on this uh, January the third, uh, there was uh, again a lot of noise and specific noise uh, with people apparently reproducing uh, the issues. And so uh, when the uh, the issues went public because uh, Intel released, uh, well Google started publishing uh, some stuff, uh, we rushed to uh, to identify uh, what were exactly the vulnerability and fix them as soon as possible. So what we did is, try is uh, prioritize uh, Meldon uh, because uh, there was uh, a publicly uh, inspected and somehow validated uh, fix. There was some well, uh, some backports were were done to the 4.9 kernel, which is the one in Stretch. While uh, for Spectre, uh, all the distribution so other distributions were included in the embargo, like uh, Red Hat and Ubuntu uh, and Suzu. And they had uh, patches for spec of some variant of Spectre, but uh, all the fixes were different, so and not easily backportable to st to stable kernels. So in the end, we we st we decided not to fix Spectre uh, right away, and just take uh, take our time, uh, especially since uh, some fixes required uh, microcode updates, which weren't available from Intel at that point. At that point. Uh, that's all for yeah. That's all. Uh, just a, a bit of more details. Uh, we tried to contact uh, Intel, but for, for now it, uh, it's been uh, uh, unsuccess un unsuccessful, uh, and so we st we uh, we are still out of the loop uh, for the various uh, hardware vulnerability, which is some kind of a problem. Uh, and here. Um, when the fix, uh, the identified fix, uh, is dependent on both software and hardware uh, uh, fixes, it's always uh, complicated for us. And in the end, I'm not sure having uh, embargoes really, really help here, uh, because um, well, a lot of researchers are, are actively um, uh, investigating side channel issues in CPUs, and we know there will be more uh, more vulnerabilities identified in the few months. In the, in the next few months, so uh, in my opinion, it would be easier to to handle everything uh, for the software side at, at least in the open. But we weren't able to reach Intel to to say that to them. So, uh, just a last example, which is again a simple uh, embargo vulnerability. Uh, well, two of them, uh, but Debian was only uh, affected by one. Uh, 
so it's uh, in the pacemaker command line interface. So pacemaker it's not uh, to um, to interact very with a, a medical device. It's um, some kind of cluster uh, um, API. Uh, and so we uh, we were warned uh, by a real art researcher uh, through the distro list. Uh, the fix uh, once again uh, were already available. So the timeline is uh, a bit shorter. So uh, March the 26th to uh, April the 12th, uh, and once again uh, the time is spent uh, basically uh, identifying the patch, building the package locally, and test uh, if there is no regression and if the test suite passed uh, fine. So simple vulnerability, simple fix, and, and so the, the teamwork is mostly uh, some coordination with maintainers and other distributions, so we can settle on a release date. Uh, here, uh, it might have been unnecessary to have an embargo, but it didn't hurt that much because uh, it was uh, limited in time anyway. So a bit of conclusion before we have some questions. So the security team, uh, we handle uh, the security support of stable uh, Debian release. Uh, we manage the security tracker, so it's uh, uh, useful. Uh, there are a lot of information for uh, assessment. Uh, and if you have some Debian distribution at home or at work, uh, the security tracker uh, helps you uh, deciding which, uh, which part are vulnerable in your, in your uh, installations. And uh, um, some important point is that not all vulnerabilities are equal. Uh, some are public and some are private. Some are simple, some are complex. Uh, and some are isolated and some are mm, a bit more um, uh, multiple with uh, cross vendors, mm, some stuff in protocol or in hardware. And not everyone, uh, not every vulnerability is, uh, takes uh, the same time to fix uh, for us. And if you have some, here are some references, and if you have some questions. So, some questions? Yeah, first one. Welcome. How does it work on the legal side where you are under embargo? Uh, because what status do you have as a Debian developer to guarantee that you stay quiet. Uh, Can you repeat uh, the beginning? Yeah, so what, what is the legal statue that you are using to be able to say to the company telling you some uh, secrecy? Oh. So is there something or just trust? Yeah, that might be the answer to why we are not included in uh, the um, Intel embargoes, uh, is that we don't have a legal status. Uh, Debian is not a, a company. We are all volunteers, and uh, well, there is a, a, a legal entity for uh, holding Debian assets, for example. But uh, we 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 are not able, and I'm not sure we we would like uh, to anyway. But we we are not really able to sign a, an NDA uh, with Intel, for example. So it might be part of the problem with uh, with Intel and other companies. But we don't have uh, issues with. Uh, um, informal um, NDA, uh, for example, for the distro list or for a specific. When when we are warned um, uh, by specific researchers or some um, some companies, uh, they trust us to not leak uh, to not leak the details. Uh, 
for the one reason that uh, if we do it, uh, they will they won't they, they won't warn us later on. So it's not a it's not a good idea. But maybe it's not enough for a large companies like uh, like Intel. Okay, small questions. Um, thank you for the work. Um, just one question regarding the uh, slide 14. If you can go back to the slide 14, um, it's about the CV allocations. Um, you basically mentioned that uh, it's helpful but not required. Um, I, I would basically stand on this that it's, I think, required, and that's something that sometimes we are fighting where we have a DSA number but we don't have a CV allocated. Um, I looked into the MITRE database and it seemed that Debian project is CNA. So it, it looks like basically you have already a full uh, range of uh, CV allocated for you that you can use as you wish. Uh, why don't you basically just assign the CV I'm just wondering that. Uh, actually, it's in the end, it's what we do. It's just not uh, required. And for example, uh, if we are uh, in a hurry to release something, uh, we we won't we won't have to uh, to assign a CV. But uh, usually, yes, it's uh, we are, we have some spare CV numbers uh, to uh, to assign. Uh, there are well, the scope of. Uh, uh, of CV we can, uh, we can assign is basically everything which is included in Debian uh, and usually uh, stuff which is not already uh, reported elsewhere. So when the vulnerability is public, even, even if it doesn't have a CV yet, uh, we don't assign uh, a CV because someone else, somewhere else could uh, uh, assign a CV. So we only do it when we are the only one to know first. Another question? Yeah. Hi, and uh, thank you. Um, just a quick, quick question. So you have a um, CV assigned or not to DSA. Uh, at one point, I think uh, the work is in progress. You were uh, about to uh, release CPE numbers or identification to clearly identify which software or which package in which version on which system uh, could be affected by a DSA. And this information uh, was about to be integrated in the XML feed or the uh, on the website. Do you know where you are on this, and if you have a, a deadline or something? Uh, no, but I th I think at least uh, there is some data available uh, um, on Oval uh, on the Oval data. Uh, so I think. Uh, if you go to the fourth reference uh, at the end on the on the slide, uh, then we'll be at, uh, up on the website uh, just after the, um, the, the talk. Uh, there is some up-to-date data, which uh, basically is uh, the machine-readable uh, version of uh, uh, the DSA and inf information. I, I think it should uh, it should work, but uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not completely sure. Hi, uh, I would like to have your opinion, personal or otherwise, regarding Google's policy concerning the um, disclosing all security vulnerabilities after 90 days, uh, regardless of the vendor status. Uh, considering that at the end of the day, I guess you're the ones that, that get to mop the floor, is this something that makes your life harder, or do you think it's efficient enough that it won't being done? Uh, to be honest, I don't really have an opinion. Uh, I mean, uh, 
right now we we weren't really uh, affected. Uh, well, we we were we were on the the target of a, a Google uh, Project Zero uh, blog, for for example, and they they didn't. Uh, um, we weren't res responsible for a vulnerability and sitting on it for 90 days or something. So uh, I think having a, a hard deadline is good. Uh, I'm not, uh, well, 90 days is a, is a lot for some vulnerabilities. You really don't need that much time. For some, for some of, of the others, maybe it's, uh, it's too, too short. Uh, and Yes, at some point, I think you have to draw a line. Um, I, I like the fact that there is a hard deadline. Uh, I'm not. Um, if if in some cases, if in some in some cases, uh, the the deadline has to be pushed, why not? But we really have to uh, to have a, a, a small deadline, and I'm not sure if 90 days is uh, short enough. Uh, but for the vast majority of vulnerabilities, uh, we have to have some. Yeah, some strict deadlines. I, I like the um, 14 days of uh, the distro list because uh, in the large majority, I think uh, we don't need really more time. And when you have when you have more time, you are actually uh, uh, lose it by doing something else. If it's if it's really a vulnerability urgent, uh, you have to to release uh, soon. So thank you very much.